Good morning. Today is Friday, January the 19th, and we're studying the Bible study guide for the first quarter of 2024. The Bible study guide for this quarter is called Psalms. And this morning we're finishing lesson number three. The reading for today is called Further Thought. Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the blessings you give us every day. And we thank you for this preparation day that you've given us. We ask you to please be with us as we prepare for your Sabbath day this evening. Help us to be ready for it when it comes. We ask you to also be with us as we study this Bible study guide. Send us your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start by reading Psalm 86, verses 5 and verse 15. Let's go ahead and read it. Verse 5, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. And 15, But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So we see these two verses that God is love. And so we we, we have a, a question to begin uh, our reading for today. How does the truth that God is love help us better understand the various descriptions of God and His deeds in the Psalms? And so it's, it's very important to understand God is love because that is the foundation of everything we see. Everything He does, everything about Him, everything. We have to look at it through the lens that God is love. And so when we understand God is love, then everything he does, everything we read about him in the Psalms, everything about him is under the lens that God is love. And if we don't understand something or something doesn't maybe seem like love right off the bat, we have to say, okay, we have to look at this in the context that God is love. And so that'll help us understand how things are going. And it's very similar to if you have a friend and you know your friend, and you like your friend, and you know he's a good person, then when you hear something about your, that friend, you're not going to uh, believe it the same way that if you heard somebody, something about somebody that you may, maybe didn't know, or uh, maybe uh, already thought this is not a very good person. And so what we think of someone colors what we believe about them when we hear it. And so that's why it's very, very important for us to understand God is love and we have to believe that about him. And then that colors how we see everything about God. This week's study focused on some key descriptions of God and his activities, which establish the world and render it firm and secure. The psalmists appeal to God, who is the creator, king, judge, covenantal savior, and lawgiver. The roles in the world that God occupies are further reflected in God's various other names and titles, including shepherd, rock of salvation, and father. In the world, we can be secure and safe, even amid the turmoil of the great controversy, because God is sovereign and faithful in all he does and says. Although these theological themes are by no means exhaustive, they are suggestive of the various ways in which God reveals himself in the Psalms. As we continue to study the Psalms, it is important to remember to read the Psalms in the light of God's character of love 
and grace and his plan to save and restore the world. The more we study the divine character in the light of the cross, the more we see mercy, tenderness, and forgiveness blended with equity and justice. And the more clearly we discern innumerable evidences of a love that is infinite and a tender pity surpassing a mother's yearning sympathy for her wayward child. In the Psalms, even when the people face God's judgment for their rebellion, they continue to call upon God because they know that God's anger is only for a time, but His mercy is everlasting. And now we have four discussion questions as we end the lesson for this week. First, why is understanding the reality and prevalence of the great controversy crucial in helping us understand that despite God's ultimate rulership and sovereignty, there is still much turmoil and suffering in our world? Why is the great controversy motif so helpful to us? And so we need to understand it's not just God and uh, he's the one in charge of everything. There is an enemy who wants to fight with God. And so they have these rules of engagement. And God has chosen to bind himself to these rules of engagement. And so there's things that God can do and God and things that God won't do. For instance, God won't deceive someone. Now the enemy, the enemy will deceive people. He'll constantly try to deceive others. But God will not. And so... Uh, the great controversy theme helps us see why things happen in our world. Why is there turmoil? Why is there suffering? Because you have somebody who wants to make God look bad. And if somebody wants to make God look bad, he does things to make it appear that God looks bad. And so we need to understand the big picture of what is actually happening. And that way we will not believe the lies the enemy says about God. And that's why this great controversy motif is very, very helpful for us to understand what's happening in our world. The second question, how should the belief in God as creator shape our understanding of ourselves and our relation with the rest of creation? What happens when people stray from that truth? And so Psalm 106 verses 35 to 42 helps us understand what happens to the people when they stray from this truth. But they mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. The land was polluted, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts, and played the whore in their deeds. Their ang then the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his heritage, and he gave them into the hand of the nations, so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their power. So the question is, how should the belief in God as creator, shape our understanding of ourselves and our relationship with the rest of creation. So God created us, and that means he loves everyone. And so uh, he wants to save every single one of us. And we have to understand that. We have to understand that he loves us. He, we have to understand that that guy who cut us off on the highway, that guy who maybe lied about us or um, maybe uh, insinuated something that was false about us, God loves that person too. And so we need to pray for that person. We need to love that person as well. And so this understanding helps us shape how we relate our, ourselves, how we relate to 
to others. And um, and what happens when people stray from the truth? We read about that in the verses we just read in Psalm. And so we see that people really become corrupt. They go down a downward spiral quickly. The third question for uh, for this morning is, what was wrong with the idols of the nations in biblical times? What about modern idols? Why are they just as dangerous to our walk with the Lord? So some of the things that were wrong with the idols is they, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't hear, they couldn't um, uh, walk, they couldn't talk, they couldn't, they, they, they were just inanimate objects and people were worshiping these inanimate objects but modern idols they're they're a little bit different we don't really worship the same type of idols but we worship similar idols for instance sports if all you have to do is is, is look at a tv game a, a, a football game american football game on tv that's a college game and you see that this is really a big idol for the students that go see this game. I mean, this is crazy the way that these people behave. And so they behave in a way that really they're putting that game, they're putting that school, their team above everything else. And so that's very dangerous because anytime we put something in above God, we are in grave danger. We need to put God above all things. And the final question is, how should God's people live knowing that God's judgment begins with his people? How does God judge his people and to what end? And so we, we don't live in fear. Oh, God's going to judge us first. We live in surrender to Jesus. We live in surrender to God. And we live a life of, of that builds that relationship. Jesus in Matthew 6, 33, he put it this way, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. And so uh, the judgment begins with his people, but how do we live? We just live a close life with Jesus. We live to have a relationship with him. And that's where our focus is, seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the last question is, how does God judge his people and to what end? He will judge his people. They loved me. I'm judging them as perfect because Jesus' righteousness covers them. And so he will judge them. The only question through in the universe is, did this person really surrender to Jesus? And so Jesus will then use that evidence and show to the world, look at my son here. Look at my daughter here. Look, they surrendered to me. They gave their lives to me. And here's the evidence. Now, that evidence doesn't mean they had to be perfect. It doesn't mean they, they, they didn't do no wrong. It doesn't mean they didn't fall. It means, though, that they put God in first place in their lives. And they means that they did their best to follow and obey God in everything that he asked. Yes, they failed. Yes, they fell. And they had to get up and continue walking with God. But they had a close relationship with him. And see, that only happens when we have that close relationship with him. If we don't have that close relationship with him, then this obedience is really meaningless because we're trying to obey somebody that we don't have a relationship with. And it's going to be a burden. It's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult. And we're going to give up pretty easily. And so our focus should never be on what we do, should never be on our obedience, although that's very important. Our focus should be on building that relationship with Jesus and a surrender relationship with him in which we surrender to him completely.
Let us pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for what we've learned in these Psalms. We thank you that uh, you want to save us. You want us to draw closer to you. And uh, you, you want to have that relationship with us. We ask you to please be with us the rest of this day. Help us to, uh, as we prepare for the Sabbath, we ask you to uh, help us to enjoy our time and help us to draw closer to you as we are doing things, getting ready to spend tomorrow with you. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning. I encourage you to join us again tomorrow. We're starting lesson number four. So join us tomorrow. Thank you, and God bless you.